When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to the Next Close Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of A Wrinkle in so Time. It's mine. You were a top student, but look at you now. You can't keep using your father's disappearance as an excuse to act out. Is that his work? What's it about? Their dad, he wanted to touch the stars. Imagine that the ant here wants to get to her other hand. The quickest option is to walk across the street. But it turns out a straight line is not the shortest distance between two points. Not if you use a fifth dimension. It's outside of the rules we know of time and space. So the ant arrives in my hand instantaneously. So you fall to space? More likely wrinkle it. Where are we? We heard a cry out in the universe. My father's alive. We believe he is, and we're here to help you find him. We are in search of warriors. Warriors who serve the good and the light in the universe. You're kidding. Do I look like I'm kidding? A little. I'm not. I'm not. Your father's trapped by an evil energy. It's too strong for our light. And the only one who can stop it is you. Be a warrior. listening to the trailer for A Wrinkle in Time, and the story is as follows. Meg Murray and her little brother Charles Wallace have been without their scientist father, Mr. Murray, for five years. Ever since he discovered a new planet and used a concept known as a tesseract to travel there. Joined by Meg's classmate Calvin O'Keefe and guided by the three mysterious astral travelers known as Mrs. Whatsit, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Witch. The children brave a dangerous journey to a planet that possesses all of the evil in the universe. The film is starring Storm Reed, Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, Mindy Kaling, Levi Miller, Derek McCabe, 
Chris Pine, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, Zach Galifianakis, and Michael Pena. It is directed by Ava DuVernay and written by Jennifer Lee and Jeff Stockwell. Joining me for this review, I have Deanne Kiazese. Hello, everyone. Hi, Deanne. How are you? I'm good. I was a little bummed. I, this is one of my most anticipated movies of the year, and I unfortunately, I'm a little disappointed with it. But there's some good things to talk about, too. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, Ava DuVernay is a directing talent that we're both very big fans of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Middle of Nowhere, Selma, 13th. She has really carved an identity out for herself within the filmmaking industry and has created some works that um, I think are extraordinarily powerful, quite moving. And I, I too, had a level of anticipation for this because um, not just, you know, it's the next Ava DuVernay film, but also because it's a $100 million Ava DuVernay film. Mm -hmm. And with that, I guess there came along certain expectations and I think what people are finding out with A Wrinkle in Time is that this is not the same um, seriousness and level of drama as we have come to expect from Ava DuVernay. Instead, what she sought to make out was a children's film. And so I, I think that expectations have been somewhat mismanaged a little bit by um, – uh, not by Disney or or Ava herself, but just, you know, the people in general that are going into this expecting this to be um, on the same level as those other films. Yeah, definitely. Well, and, you know, you do have children's films that manage to kind of transcend their genre. And it's interesting because you have Jennifer Lee who wrote this and she did Zootopia and Wreck-It Ralph, which actually both have quite a, you know, intense adult following as well, just in terms of, you know, them kind of resonating across generations where, to your point, I 100% agree this movie is aimed at children. It is really aimed at preteen girls, honestly, I, I think more than anything, not to say that other children wouldn't enjoy it, because there's enough going on visually and with, you know, with the witches, the misses, I mean, not the witches, um, but, you know, and all of that, that I think would keep them engaged. But um, that was by far the biggest surprise for me as I was expecting this to be able to, you know, maybe translate a little bit more to the adult viewers. And you know what, critics, historically speaking, have never really been kind to films that are directed at children. You think of films like The Page Master or The Neverending Story. Um, mm -hmm. I was thinking back on some films from my childhood that I actually haven't revisited as an adult, but I was thinking of something like, I don't know, Blank Check. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, I, and I was thinking to myself like, wow, like thinking back on it, through the perspective I have now, that movie's pretty bad. But as a kid, I think it's like the greatest thing ever. And right. it's very, it's been an exercise for me in trying to figure out, okay, we know who this film is made for. We know it's for, like you said, uh, preteens, mostly um, little girls. And you say to yourself, okay, so is the movie doing what it seeked out to do, essentially? Is it is it achieving um, what Ava DuVernay set out to do with it. And I think on a certain level, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, while there are some inconsistencies in terms of tone and the way that the story is kind of stitched together, 
I think the ultimate message of the film actually really resonates and there is quite some power there. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, there's also a lot of talk around the source material. I read it as a young girl. I mean, it's been a long time, but I certainly remember it. And when I saw this was coming out, I was excited because I remember reading the book, um, probably in like late elementary school. Um, And um, but, you know, kind of in revisiting it and from what a lot of people are saying who have reread it recently, it, it also that material is kind of all over the place and it leaves a lot for interpretation and a lot for the mind to kind of fill in and, and the holes and, and the imagination of it. And so then when you take something that people kind of had their own visuals for and then try and put it on a screen in your own way, there's always going to also be, you know, kind of some fallout from that, I think, as well. I agree with that. I mean, I I, I have no experience with the source material uh, myself, and I'm glad that you that you do and you have that frame of reference. Um, I'm just very curious, though. Ultimately, Deanne, in the end, um, in looking at A Wrinkle in Time as a whole, like how do you how do you interpret it? I mean, because like you you know my interpretation is I'm trying to separate. Uh, from a child's point of view and also from my own point of view and really trying to sift through that and understand, you know, does this film, you know, achieve what it sets out to do? How do you, what's your interpretation like ultimately? Yeah, you know, it's a struggle for me because I, I do I do see the, the, the lens of the 12-year-old girl and I do see some really amazing themes that we'll talk about that really kind of turn out to be my favorite part of the film and when they connect with what's happening, those are the best moments of the movie. And and But the one word I can say is this is still an inconsistent movie. Whether it's aimed at children or not or whether, you know, we're, we're looking at it from that point of view, I still think that I have to hold some of the film accountable for um, some really kind of roller coaster ride storytelling and um, inconsistency and um, and how it's being told. So an unevenness, I guess, is the best word. Um, so the parts that really worked for me specifically, I enjoyed the second act of the movie. Uh, the first act, when you're in the real world and the characters are being set up, I was really struggling. I mean, I was, I, I, there was something that just felt very forced about some of the relationships and the friendships she makes. And there's this bully who's taunting her, which I totally love the message that comes out of that later. But those scenes felt a little bit challenged to me. Um, but then when we move into the second act, when they get, when she is um, kind of getting past some of her skepticism and trying to take in some of the wisdom that the misses are trying to teach her and going on this adventure and seeing some of the things for the first time, all of a sudden I was totally sucked in. And then um, we get into the third act and, and it and it gets very weird in some ways, really in a good way weird, but in other ways, things that didn't work. So it's just all over the place. I, I can't think of a movie that I have seen in the last year that pulled me in and out so much throughout the course of the movie. I'm in agreement with you on this. You know, um, a lot of times when I watch movies, I try to, um, latch on to elements that are really sticking out to me, uh, usually on a craft level. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because even on that level here, there is some inconsistency, you know, um, not just with the storytelling itself. I mean, I do agree with you that the first act is really tough to get into. And part of the reason for that, I think, is because, um, once again, you have to think of it from a standpoint of, all right, if you're a child and you're watching this, the dialogue that is being said by um, the adults um, 
is blunt. It's very forced, and it is something that like like this. I think of this one scene, this one moment where. Uh, Charles Wallace over here is like two faculty members saying how odd she is. And I'm like, nobody talks like that in the real world. But as a child, I would understand the message of that scene, even if I was eight years old, I think. Right. And I think that I think that level of language um, of cinema is what Ava DuVernay is playing at here. Because she, like I said, in the end, she's really trying to cater this story towards um, the mindset of an eight, seven, whatever-year-old right. child. Right. I, I agree. And, you know, I think to some extent I agree, you know. And, and obviously, maybe there was complete intention in the awkwardness of that scene. But I, there's also a part of me that goes, but was there? <laughs> because it's also <laughs> just a little bit of, you know, the actors just kind of – the way they acted it and then kind of did this weird, awkward, like, oh, no, he hurt us, you know, and you just feel it, it's so on the nose that I, I don't know, maybe it was intentional, but there's a little piece of me, too, that thinks there's some performance issues with some of the people involved. Oh, I, I definitely have to agree with that. And while I don't want to put that criticism at the feet of uh, Storm Reed, who I think is actually a good find here. Yeah, agreed. The young child that plays uh, her brother, Charles Wallace, mm-hmm. not a good child performance. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I struggled with him, too. He had moments where he was charming, and I can see why they picked him, right? Because he obviously has kind of this light about him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but no, and, and, and he carries such a substantial part of the story and becomes so important that uh, that casting is a big deal to the film. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I definitely agree with you on that. I just, you know, I, we've seen uh, actors at his age give more um, nuanced and digestible uh, performances before. This just felt like it felt like a struggle almost of Ava trying to get what she wanted out of this kid. I, I felt like, um, and, and I, I've got, I, I sound so mean, like I'm criticizing this little boy. I know. <laughs> We're going to get to good stuff. I have so much good stuff to say. And I now I'm already feeling bad that I went straight for some of this stuff. But I kind of want to get it out of the way a little bit. But because but I think it's part of the reality. And it's not fair not to talk about it. Yeah, no, I know. I'm in agreement with you on that. And, you know, and just moving over to uh, some of the adult mem- uh, cast members, like yeah. you were saying before, um, I, I do believe that. Chris Pine and Storm Reed have um, this scene towards the end of the film. This is this a dream scene that is um, quite emotionally stirring, mm-hmm. actually, and really, really well done. You can tell also, too, that like Reese Witherspoon is having fun. I liked her. Yeah, right? I, I really liked Chris Pine. I, I mean, honestly, I think the, that that was the only part of the first act I enjoyed was sort of his relationship, even more with his wife, but also with his daughter and, and just kind of seeing him um, d- develop as a character and um, play a role that he hasn't, you know, we haven't seen him in like the parental type of role that much mm. yet. So um, I enjoyed that for sure. And as far as the, the misses, I agree. Reese Witherspoon was my favorite. Mm-hmm. I felt like Oprah was fine. There was a couple of Oprah things. I think at the beginning, I just something it took my it took me a minute 
to, to get into it. But when then Oprah when she, makes like her grand entrance yes. into the movie, it's like, oh, this is must this must be how people actually see Oprah when they see her for the first time making her entrance into a room. I know, and I don't know that I'm like offering you any better way to to have done it. You know, I'm not saying that. I no. there was just something kind of about it, but but there's this beautiful moment where she settles in and then she gives Meg kind of this um, speech around self-love and, you know, loving herself first and, and realizing, you know, um, how amazing she is. That is so Oprah in, but so perfect and so beautiful for the film. I thought yeah, I, I have absolutely no problems whatsoever with, like I said, the message of the movie is on point. Mm-hmm. It's the, it, it's how they go about telling the message in terms of, you know, this large, uh, vibrant CGI world and Oprah's very freaking large for some reason. And it, there's flowers, there's uh, a big giant green leaf that's CGI that I think was Reese Witherspoon at one point. I, I'm like... Yes, that was Reese Witherspoon. I didn't love that. I liked the talking flowers. I thought those were beautiful. Yeah. Um, so uh, what did you think of Mindy Kaling? Because she's definitely against type. I thought she was underwritten and not given enough to do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and she was definitely, and maybe she wanted to play something a little bit more muted, you know. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a lot there really to work with. I, I didn't like Zach Galifianakis. I didn't like Michael Pena. Oh, I kind of liked the Michael Pena scene. I have to tell you, that was that was this, that was the one scene where I thought to myself, "Ooh, okay, like we could have gone super weird with this, and and it actually might have worked even more if we'd like gone all the way." Um, I liked that that beach scene. I liked the feeling of it. I liked the performances, and I liked the weirdness of it. But um, I'm, I'm ag- I agree on Zach. I didn't love that scene. Um, Levi Miller plays Calvin, the friend, and I watched him in this crazy movie this year called Better Watch Out, where he ba- basically basically plays you know, a potential sociopath or kid who has issues. Um, and so this was very different from that performance for sure. And I thought he was okay. Um, I, I struggled with really buying their friendship happening so suddenly, you know, it felt like there was a way to maybe portray that a little more organically, something that had happened over time. But I just didn't sense a chemistry uh, really yeah. between those two characters so much. Although I really liked that, in a way, uh, that character really just takes a backseat to um, Meg and her story and the the, the message of self-empowerment, uh, rising above your insecurities, your fears and doubts. Um, all of that was really, you know, like I said, really resonating for me. And then there were other things, too, that I really did like about this movie. I mean, I, I actually really liked the production design. Mm-hmm. I really liked the costume design. Mm-hmm. I really liked the score. A lot. I thought the music was very on point, and the soundtrack too. Even though the songs I felt like were out of place, I would listen to the soundtrack. Um, you know, as a standalone, if I if I felt yeah, like it, and you know? I mean, you have an original song from Sade, who hasn't done anything mm-hmm. in years, and the Sia song is really beautiful. Um, yeah, I I agree that that part was great, and I think those songs will kind of stick around this year. I think they're going to be definitely popular in kind of the young adult youth world. And it'll be interesting to see if they make it to Oscar season, but we'll see. You know, but the set design, uh, the costumes and everything else I was praising before uh, mm-hmm. do get dampened a bit in my eyes because um, the the cinematography I felt was incredibly flat in this to the point where I get it. It's a Disney movie, but this is not a Disney TV movie. Mm-hmm. This is 
this is a Disney theatrical film, and we know that Ava DuVernay is more than capable of composing, you know, artful images that are, you know, quite beautiful and they resonate a lot. Um, there was something about just the overall look of this movie for me that it, it it's that conflict again because I know what it's setting out to do and I know the style in which it needs to go about in order to do it. It, it just ah. It, 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 it just didn't work for me, coupled along with visual effects where I could clearly see the green screen. Green screen. Mm-hmm. I could clearly see the compositing that was involved to create certain shots. No more evident than the scene where they're riding on um, the big, giant, green leaf-like creature. It, it it really took me out of the movie uh, at right. times a lot. Well, and you know what's so, so challenging about that is it wasn't even needed. It wasn't, it didn't even carry the film forward. You could have literally just uh, taken that whole scene out and it was probably a really expensive scene. <laughs> uh, yeah. But there is a sense of wonder to it. Um, yeah. That I, I started, you know, having kind of like flashbacks to other movies that have done stuff like that before. Like um, The Lovely Bones, for example, when she goes to the world of the, um, uh, when uh, the, I can't remember what it's called, the in-between or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's this very colorful, vibrant beautiful and majestic world and I, I i started to feel like oh this is really this is very interesting and very dynamic and there's a lot going on here but it seemed to me like while we were enjoying these breathtaking uh visuals there were uh, the story kind of came to a halt yeah until it's like oh what's that what's that black thing oh that's the evil okay now we gotta get back to the plot all of a sudden you know what i mean and got to go and find your father and, um, you know, kind of come full circle with everything at that point. And right. it, don't, even, don't even get me started on, like, some of the stuff to, that's talking about, like, time travel and the Tesseract and stuff. Right. For a kid's movie, I that's way over a kid's heads because it was over my head. <laughs> well, I don't know that it was – yeah, so it's, it's so interesting. I was just going to go there because if you think about where we are right now with film watching and what we expect, even if a film is completely science fiction, we are at a point where we still expect a, a certain amount of world building and for things to make sense within the world – at least, you know, mm-hmm. and so, and when we don't get that, I, at least I find myself kind of going, wait, where did that come from? That doesn't make sense. And that doesn't correlate to what they said about this. And so this film expects you to completely throw that out the window. I mean, there, there really isn't, there isn't really anything that tries to establish rules of any kind <laughs> of what, what these people are kind of dealing with. It just kind of is all over the place. And, and I think that's where some people are maybe on first watch are struggling because they're trying to piece it all together and there's nothing to piece together. It's just really a random series of events. There (laughs) is a reason why the book has been considered unfilmable for many years. And there was a 2003, I think, television Television, movie adaptation that uh, didn't go over so well. And while you could claim that this is a more uh, truthful adaptation, it's probably the best adaptation we will receive, um, it just goes to show you that when somebody says something is unfilmable, there's probably a reason why they're saying that, <laughs> you know? Because right. right. um, the, the level of ambition with this is pretty pretty high all around. And it's very, very tough to uh, have it, you know, get misguided along the way. With that said... Um, I did enjoy one other sequence in the movie uh, from a visual standpoint. Um, it had to do with blueprints. Oh, yes. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. I did too. That was cool. And uh, I'm ready to get into final thoughts, grade out of 10, and Oscar potential if you are. Uh, you know, do you have any uh, other thoughts you want to touch upon? No, I really don't. I'm ready for final thoughts. I, yeah, I um, just as I said, I this is a story, you know, you have a lead a multiracial character female as the in that role. I love that this film exists. I love thinking of my niece is watching it. I, I certainly enjoyed enough of it to recommend it to people, um, just particularly around, you know, those ideas that I've already talked about, self, self-love self and, um, and trust and being able to love yourself before you can help other people. And then also there's this um, feeling, too, around her father's departure that very much um, can be you know, something that children could relate to who have had a parent leave and who have struggled with what that means for them. And so I think that there's really some nice um, analogies here that could be utilized to help kids who are maybe struggling with feelings around certain things. So for that reason, I completely recommend the film. Um, But just as I said, uh, from a um, filmmaking and storytelling point of view, um, unfortunately, the unevenness just threw me out of it. Um, I would give it a 5 out of 10, and I um, would think best song is a strong possibility. I think probably the uh, Sade song, The Flowers of the Universe, is the one, but um, I also think that Sia song could come on strong, too. Magic, it's called. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, for me, it's, uh, it's interesting because I, I think of films that were made by uh, very respected Artur uh, directors like Todd Haynes just did Wonderstruck last mm-hmm. year. Martin Scorsese did Hugo. And I'm saying to myself, okay, this is not that. And I found more to appreciate in those films because I think ultimately those were films that starred children and had themes that uh, children could understand, but they were ultimately made, I think, also for adults to relate to and enjoy more so. Mm -hmm. This, I feel, definitely is totally 100% catered towards children. There is a reason why um, a lot of critics are being harsh on this movie, but I think that... And I hate, and I don't want to say it's not because it wasn't made for them, because I think that's a cop out excuse a lot of times um, when it comes to reviewing movies. But I think that a lot of critics do need to understand the intention of the movie and just who it was made for, and understand, that, you know, really, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, heart, uh, harness? No, uh, mm-hmm. really focus their criticisms around that. You know yeah. what I mean? And she even says it at the beginning big beginning of the movie in her little intro. Mm, yes. Yeah. That is, oh, my God. You got that, too, before yours. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yes. She does say that uh, before, the, before the film starts. Yeah. I My biggest fear uh, with this movie, and I, I just, I'm, like, I'm really afraid of what this means possibly for her career. Um, I really hope that Disney does not take the criticisms that are being thrown at this movie or... Um, the disappointing box office return and, and who knows, maybe this film will have legs. Um, but I, I don't want them to look at it as a failure uh, because I do think that this film has the potential to have a very long shelf life. You said so yourself, you're going to show it to your nieces. I would be so overjoyed and happy to show this um, to my nieces, daughter, uh, son, uh, does, nephew, does, doesn't matter. I, I, I definitely think this is a film that can be that VHS tape that I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, popping in as a little kid and watching at home. So 
that is ultimately uh, my hope uh, for this movie. I don't know what the reality is going to be, but that is my hope in the end. I would give it a 4 out of 10 because, yes, I am in the middle, but I'm leaning definitely a little bit more negative. And, you know, it, it, we all wanted this movie to succeed. I know I know how badly, you know, Deanne, you wanted this movie to succeed. Breaking I my heart. I know. It's tough, right? <laughs> I wanted it. I mean, I want, I want to be giving it a 9 right now. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, I don't think this is uh, – and I'm hearing so many people like really like just so unfounded in their criticism like who would have thought Ava DuVernay would turn out to be a terrible director. It's like no. Yeah, that's not what this is. You I don't, agree. Like clearly yeah. you don't understand. But then I also think we can't be – but I think there's a balance, right? You can't go too far the other way and, and let the themes override the, the filmmaking. You know, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, there were a lot of people who um, I, I, I've spoken to who have expressed that they were afraid to come out and speak to criticism that they truly felt about this movie because of right. how much they really love Ava. They really want to see her continue to succeed. It's OK. <laughs> you know, yeah. everybody's got a, a film in their filmography somewhere that, you know, was, you know, less than perfect. Uh, I, I I definitely think, however, that uh, within the right context and frame of mind, uh, that she will be okay and she will continue to make challenging, awe-inspiring films. I think so too. I really, I'm to be honest, I'm not worried about that. She has so, she has established so much credibility. She'll move on to a project that will be a completely different vein. I, she may already have one. I don't even know what it is, but I bet she'll do something, you know, very different. Uh, maybe return to form in some ways. Who knows? This will be an interesting part of the filmography. It will have some people who love it. I think, you know, um, and and then we'll just move forward. Exactly. <laughs> like that's how. I, that's what I'm thinking. And forward we shall move. Um, yes. <laughs> in terms of Oscar potential, looking ahead towards next year, I do agree with you, Deanne. I do think that one of the songs could push through ultimately. Yeah. Um, They're good. We'll have to see if they get a campaign from Disney or not, and if they get the push. If they do, I, I could see that happening. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Other aspects of this movie, though, while I do think that they are um, good individually on their own, because the pieces don't kind of come together to create this cohesive whole um, i do think that individual aspects of this movie that are worth singling out like the score uh production design the costumes i do feel will get lost in the conversation as we push forward uh with the year so dean where can they find you on the internet I'm on Twitter at TweedledeeD33. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you everyone so much for listening to our review of A Wrinkle in Time on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. We would really, really appreciate the feedback. And as always, we will see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth.
truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So Five Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.